0: with the incredible simple truths revealed by an angel to a young virgin girl.
1: Notice the person to be born was the Holy One called the Son of God. He was to be the fulfillment of the promise to Adam and Eve, the seed of the woman in Genesis 315, the first mention of redemption through the virgin birth of the Messiah. This was the revelation of Gabriel to Mary.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. We've all heard it said concerning picking out just the right gift. It's the thought that counts. But when it came to planning the greatest Christmas gift of all time, the Christ child and Savior of the world, God was setting in motion a plan of salvation promised from the beginning of man. And so today, Pastor Xavier takes us to the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke for three important simple truths revealed at the angel Gabriel's annunciation to Mary that she would become the mother of the Son of God. Let's listen.
1: It has been said that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is the most privileged woman that ever lived, chosen by God to bear the Son of God in her womb, but equally one of the most pain women that has ever lived, for she bore a sword in her heart due to all the difficulties that accompanied that call, sometimes we look at the glory of certain things, but we don't see the pain behind the scenes. That goes for many things in life, whether it be a mother, whether it be a husband who provides, or a soldier who goes to war, or whatever it may be. The gospel writers, as you know, record the coming of the Messiah— Each of them write with a very specific purpose in mind. We have four Gospels. Three of them are called synoptic because they record the same thing from a different perspective. Matthew begins with the crisis of Mary's pregnancy as Gabriel reveals to Joseph that this was God's work through Mary by the Holy Spirit of God. Matthew's writing to the Jew. The key phrase is that this is that in fulfillment of Mark and John do not give us um, the annunciation of the birth of Christ but simply begin with the ministry of John and the baptism of Jesus. Luke, on the other hand, provides for greater detail of the annunciation made to Mary about the birth of the Christ child by the same angel, Gabriel. And um, he is writing to Theophilus and he assures him that the record that he is examining by eyewitnesses and everything, it can be counted on absolutely. Listen to him in Luke chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. He says, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to sit in order the narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seems good to me also, having had perfect understanding Of all things from the very first to write to you in orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, this is God's inerrant, infallible word. This is the word of God. And you can depend on the accuracy of the record and the truthfulness of it. It's not a myth, it's not religious stories. It's the fact that God became flesh and he came to save us. So the angel Gabriel has just finished announcing here in Luke to Zacharias, the birth of his son, John. He would be the forerunner prophet of the highest, the voice crying in the wilderness, as he tells there in chapter 1 prior to verse 26 here. And now comes the annunciation to Mary of the birth of Jesus, and it unfolds for us in a threefold movement. Let me read from verse 26 down. He says, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, an angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his sayings and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and she'll call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah. And entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greetings of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greetings sounded in my ear, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, The Annunciation here unfolds in the three movements. You have the revelation of Gabriel to Mary from 26 to 38. Then you have the jubilation between Elizabeth and Mary in 39 to 45. And it finishes up by the exaltation of God by Mary herself in verses 46 to 56. We begin with the revelation of Gabriel to Mary, 26 to 38. Notice in 26... The visitation of Mary is declared clearly. The particular angel is Gabriel here. It is the sixth month of her pregnancy. Not Mary, but Elizabeth, their cousins. And the place was the city of Nazareth in Galilee. It's about 80 miles from Jerusalem. And there were many um, uh, Greek merchants and Roman soldiers in that area. They occupied, there was a place of custom there in the chief city of Capernaum. And so the lifestyle also was very evident throughout the area of sinfulness and all the activity goes on with that. And yet God, who is the epitome of holiness, has come down in the midst of a sinful world at this time. The person visited was the virgin here in verse 27. She is betrothed to this man whose name is Joseph of the house of David. The lineage of, of Joseph as well as Mary, you pick it up in Matthew as well as in Luke. Matthew goes through, uh, through Solomon, and then in, in Luke he goes through Nathanael because Jeconiah was cursed from the thing. So both of them were of the lineage of David, but it doesn't matter that Jeconiah disqualified Joseph because Joseph was not the father of Jesus, but they were both of the house of lineage of David. And so they fulfill the prophecies. Now, this virgin name is Mary, and she is a virgin. And the word that is used here is one who has never had sexual intercourse. In the Hebrew, there's two different words. And the one corresponding to an espousal period is the corresponding word here for the Greek. So she's within this one-year period, which uh, a man and a woman were considered to be husband and wife. And um, if they wanted to get a divorce, it was a binding marriage. So if they wanted to get a divorce, they had to go through a whole legal process. Now, so it would be possible that if there was a divorce prior to this one year before the consummation was made, it would be possible for you to be a married, divorced woman and still a virgin, or if he died, that you could be a, a, a widow and still a virgin. So the potential was there. Now, the angel, having come in, noticed, saluted Mary, declaring, rejoice, highly favored, the Lord is with you. The rejoicing here was to be that God graciously and sovereignly had chosen her. Now, the choosing is not of obligation without any free will, as the record shows in Matthew and Mark, as well as here. Yet God knows the heart of man. But he came to her, and there was a submission How does that work out where God initiates and men respond and his will gets done? Well, we know it doesn't exclude free will and we know that God doesn't force us so we know there's a complement of the two that we don't understand to its full end. But one thing for sure is God never forces you to respond to him or to obey him or to go to heaven. It's a choice of your will when you make that decision. Now, Her confidence was to be in the fact that God was with her. Notice that. Her privilege was the fact that she had been blessed among women. Underline that. Not above women. She's blessed among women, not above women. We're going to see that Mary herself will declare her own sinfulness, that she needed a savior. But the point is that she was virgin. She was pure. God was going to house a son In a womb that had never been defiled. And that is very, very clear. The word blessed, we get our word eulogy from it at funerals, to speak well of someone. So things would be spoken well of her because she was chosen by God, but not of her own merit, but just because he chose her. And yet the emphasis is that she was sexually pure. Now... She was chosen as a vessel to honor God and to bring glory to God, no different than you and I, as God calls us to serve Him. This was her particular call at this point in her life. The perplexity in her mind and her heart was great over the manner of greeting. Notice in 29, she's a girl of 14 to 16 years of age. She's not wealthy, she's of the poor class. When she dedicates Jesus, she brings turtle doves, the poorest of offering. The word consider there means to bring together different reasons, to reckon up these reasons, to resolve in one's mind and deliberate about the facts. And you can imagine 14 to 16 in this type of address and this type of appearance and this type of revelation. I am sure that at her age, though 14 to 16, she was a hundred times more mature than 14 to 16 years old today. <laughs> they live in a whole different world. Let's just leave it a fact that she wasn't on her iPhone, okay? <laughs> in 30 to 33, you have the communication to that Mary that's described for us. In 30 and 31, the personal privilege is revealed. She was not to be afraid, but to know that she had found favor with God, she would conceive in her womb, and bring forth a son. And she was to call his name Jesus. Jesus is the Greek name of the Hebrew name Joshua. Joshua is the contraction of Jehovah Shu or Yahweh is salvation. What does the name Jesus means? Yahweh is salvation. Remember, John says that the word became flesh, and we beheld his glory the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth in John 1:14. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and God was the Word. John 1 1. And he emptied himself of his glory, never his deity. Philippians 2 5 says, And he didn't think it robbery to be equal with God, but he took on the form of a servant, and he humbled himself, even to be obedient to the death of the cross. Who was this guy? God. The prophetic accuracy is revealed in 32 and 33. He would be great and will be called the son of the highest, describing who he was to be, God in the flesh. He would be given the throne of his father David, describing what he would obtain. He would reign over the house of Jacob forever, describing the extent of his reign. And his kingdom will never end, it says, describing the duration of his kingdom. Every kingdom on this earth will come to an end. As we look to the past, there's been incredible dictators and, and rulers, but they all came to an end. But this king, his reign will never end. As he sits on his own throne, he shall save his people from their sins, Matthew 1, 21 says. His people, the Jew, Matthew's writing to the Jew. His name is Emmanuel, God with us, Matthew one twenty three. He's fulfilling the promise to David in 2 Samuel 7, 14 through 16. Fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 9, 6 through 7, a son to us is given. The Son of God. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He is God, the Son of God. The second person of the Trinity, co-equal with the Father in the 1 Timothy 3.16 tells us Mary had to have been stunned and humbled by this incredible privilege revealed to her. Then notice the explanation to Mary is declared in 34 to 38. In 34, the petition asked by Mary was natural. This is a real world that is being recorded for us here. This is not Hollywood, but a real location. How can this be since I do not know a man? How could she conceive a child never having had sex with a man and still being virgin? That defies human understanding. It's called a miracle. The proclamation declared by the angel was, it is God's work. Look at 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. This has nothing to do with man. It has everything to do with God. The word overshadow means to envelop and is used four other times in the New Testament. It appears three times in the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew seventeen five, Mark nine seven, and Luke nine thirty four. One time for Peter's shadow that fell upon people and they were healed in Acts five fifteen. Notice the person to be born was the Holy One called the Son of God. He was to be the fulfillment of the promise to Adam and Eve, the seed of the woman in Genesis 3.15, the first mention of redemption through the virgin birth of the Messiah. Way back there where the fall came, God gave the promise of Jesus Christ. Scripture confirms the faithfulness of God throughout 2 Corinthians five twenty one says that God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Do you realize how hopeless we would be without a savior, without a sin bearer, without a redeemer? We would be utterly damned. It's bad enough that some people feel and sense their life hopeless here for the number of years I can't imagine understanding to the full extent of hopelessness for all eternity. It can't even enter our minds. The personal consolation to Mary is given in 36 and 37. Elizabeth, her relative who was barren, had also conceived and was six months into her pregnancy. Elizabeth is her second cousin. Elizabeth's conception and hers were God's doing again where nothing's impossible with God, 37 tells us. Just like when you've been born again, you repented of your sins, God initiated, you responded, but your new birth had nothing to do with your own ability or merit. It had everything to do with God. Christianity is a God thing through human beings. Don't confuse it with religion. Don't call it a philosophy. It's a relationship with God. Through the sacrifice, death, and resurrection of his precious son, Jesus Christ. The personal submission of Mary to God's will is in 38. Her perspective was that she saw herself as a slave to God by choice. The phrase maidservant appears three times in the New Testament. Verse 38 here, 48, and in Acts 2 18. The prophecy of Joel here, he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh, begins to take place for the New Testament. It has the latter days also fulfillment. Her priority notice was the will and purpose of God. Let it be to me according to your word. Her personal commitment was to risk disgrace, divorce, and defamation of character For the purpose of God, for the will of God, 14, 15, 16 years old, the very same kind of living sacrifice that her own son would yield to in this prayer of Gethsemane, not my will, Father, but your will be done, as he poured out drops of blood from his forehead, and he submitted to the cruel and horrible death of crucifixion in our place. When James Calvert went out to Cannibal Fiji with the message of the gospel, the captain of the ship in which he traveled sought to persuade him and others not to go. He said, quote, You will risk your life and all those with you if you go among the savages, he said. Calvert's magnificent reply was, quote, We died before we came here. Amazing men and women have gone out into the world not considering their lives to get the gospel to those who are so ignorant of it. God will often visit each of us as Christians throughout our lives that we might be his instruments. And each time... We must choose if we are going to yield. He does not, nor will he force you. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's handiwork, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. He wants to use you. He wants to use me. He initiates. He waits for my response. He wants me to trust in him and not in myself. He wants me not to lean to my own understanding, but in every way to trust in him. God will come to us in our own Nazareth, whatever that may be, regardless of the social standing, the economical standing, and he will come and he will reach down to affect our lives. If you're not saved, then he's, wants to pull you out of that lostness, out of that darkness. That you might be set free from your sin and from the guilt that is over you. And that he would make a Christian of you, a son of God, a daughter of God by his grace. As you see your rebellion and your separation from God because of sin. All of us are sinners. There's not one righteous. All miss the mark. All come to Jesus Christ the same way by grace through faith. God is seeking for response like Paul. What would you have me to do, Lord, in Acts 9? <laughs> when he initiates. God calls us despite and in spite of ourselves, not because of ourselves. And he's more interested in um, my readiness to uh, be a base and to honor and to bring glory to him than myself. But I can only do that if I die to self. Because the desire for attention and the desire for people to applaud me and to praise me is in every one of us. It's innate in our sin nature. God's holy. I'm sinful. He bridged the gap through His Son. And I'm privileged to be able to be one with God. What a privilege to serve Him. This was the revelation of Gabriel to Mary.
0: Pastor Xavier Rees has been drawing today's simple truths from the Gospel of Luke about the significance in the angel Gabriel's pronouncement to Mary, the mother of the Christ child. And though there's much more to come next time, you can hear this program again for any part you may have missed simply by locating the radio tab you'll find when logging on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. You can pick up a CD copy of this message as well. And the title you want to ask for is Mary Bore Jesus. As usual, it's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to a friend in your church or Bible study when you're through. Once again, the title to ask for is Mary Bore Jesus, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800. 800- 1485 Again, that's eight hundred nine two six one four eighty five. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, twenty two hundred East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, nine one one zero seven. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com